you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Matthew chapter 9 this morning. Matthew chapter 9. And dovetailing off the missions update, I want to just, we're excited this morning because the Fijian Fellowship will be meeting in our church here this afternoon, their first meeting at 2 o'clock. So pray for, pray for that. It's going to be awesome. We're excited for what God's doing in the Fijian community, even in this area and the fellowship that he's building. So we thank God for our brother John and his family and in leading that and obeying the Lord and reaching out to the Fijian community all over this region. So awesome. Amen? Amen. Well, we just returned from an exciting uh, adventure. Me and Pastor Sam did a father-son backpacking trip, first one. So it was exciting. It was a lesson and one of the lessons you learn in backpacking is sleep is not great um, on a two-inch pad in the middle of the cold yeah, but uh, I will do my best to share what God has put on my heart this morning but if I wonder I'm just asking your forgiveness in advance praise God um, open your Bibles to nine, uh, Matthew chapter 9 verse 9 and I just want to continue where the Lord has had us the last couple weeks uh, on on August 15th service, we, I, I spoke on the topic of learning Jesus out of Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29 and 30, and ask a few questions for us. You know, are we, are we teachable? Are we, are we uh, responsive? Are we um, committed? And are we attentive to what God wants to do in our life? That Jesus calls us as disciples, and to be a disciple is to be a learner. Constantly learning. Is, is everyone still learning about Jesus this morning? Come on, I am too. I've got some things to learn. And then Pastor John brought an amazing message last week on out of Micah chapter 6, verse 8. And he's, he just gave us three simple instructions. I like simple. Anyone like simple in the house? And he said, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly. Right? I hope you remembered that. But it was a wonderful message on, on, on just the simplicity of following God and loving God and, and walking in humility that God calls us to. And so this morning, I just feel continuing in that vein. And, and when we're talking about learning, we're learning a person. We're learning a person. We're, he, when he says, come to me, we're coming to the person of Jesus. And that's what this process is. That's what we're, that's what we're in, endeavoring to do is learn about Jesus. And one of the things I, I, I knew when I met my wife, one of the things that impressed me beyond her beauty and every other good quality she has is that she, was, she had long-term deep relationships with people. And I looked at her friendships in her life and the relationships she had forged. And she, she forged relationships with people that she didn't really get along with at first. And it took some work. And it took some uh, pressing in and learning about that person. Getting past the differences, getting past the difficulties in the relationship. And getting to who the heart of that person was to learn who, to, to build those relationships. And as I, as I observed that, I said, this is a loyal person. This is a person who loves people deeply. Anyone agree with me this morning about my beautiful wife? You guys are quiet up in here. Um, but one of the things she does, and if you've met her you, for the first time, you might get peppered with a few questions. We used to call her 21 questions. She will just ask and ask and ask, but she's deeply interested in you. And that's, not, that's rare. I remember being out to uh, 
out to a supper or lunch with um, uh, Prophet Steve uh, Sampson, and he was with us, and we were all asking questions about him and his family and about what was going on in his life, and he says, you know, this is pretty rare. And we're like, what? That you're actually asking me about me. Because I'm around a lot of people that talk about them, but they don't ask about me. <laughs> Have you been around some people like that, right? We experience that. But he, he, we, when somebody takes a deep interest in you as a person, and, and what the Lord wants us to do is take a deep interest in him, amen, and to come to him. And he's, he's teaching us, and we're learning. And this morning, I really want to talk about continuing in this vein of mercy, mercy personified in the person of Jesus, And so let's look at this passage in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Follow me. And he got up and followed him. Let's pray real quick, church. Father, we thank you so much this morning for all that you're already doing. We thank you for the testimonies of miracles in this place. We thank you for hearts and lives that are being changed. We thank you for your presence, Lord. We are so grateful that you would choose to come and dwell in this place where we are gathered this morning. And so we we just ask that you would speak afresh to each and every one of us this morning the revelation from your scripture from your heart lord we we long to learn from you master speak to us we incline our ears to you god open our eyes of our heart to see what is the hope of your calling what is the surpassing greatness of your power towards us who believe the riches of your inheritance in the saints god open our eyes this morning Give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you we ask. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said? Amen. Amen. So I I love this encounter that Jesus has with Matthew because it says something really key. I want you to catch something. It says that as Jesus went from there, he saw a man called Matthew. He saw a man called Matthew. And that's significant because this kind of seeing is Jesus takes notice of Matthew, a person who probably no one else wants to take notice of. Or if they do, it's in a negative fashion because here he is, he's the tax collector, the most despised type of person in that society and, and, and deeply, uh, deeply hated by many of the Jewish people for what he did, considered a traitor because he was the collaborator with the, with the occupying Romans to collect taxes. And on top of that, he would not just collect taxes, but they would collect a little on the edge for themselves. Come on. And so they were not loved. How many love the IRS this morning? <laughs> If you get a call or you have to call the IRS, that's even worse yet. I mean, that's like a nine-hour day um, just right there. But you can just kind of put yourself in this place and, and how they felt towards the tax collectors. And so for Matthew to be noticed is significant. And Matthew, being in the place he was, he would have heard some things about Jesus because Jesus was busy doing some miracles and working in that city of Capernaum. And it's likely being in the public position that he was, that he heard what Jesus was doing, how he healed the leper of his leprosy, how he 
touched and healed the servant of the Roman centurion with, with a command. Come on, somebody. Healed Peter's mother-in-law. He stilled the raging seas of the, ocean, of, the, of the sea. He set the demoniacs free. The testimony of who he was likely came into Matthew's ears. And even just right before this, he had been teaching at a home. And in comes four guys, and they have a paralytic, and they're trying to get him to Jesus. And they, they lower him through the roof. And, and there Jesus uh, says, your sins are forgiven. And the, and the Pharisees are there. And hey, who has the power to forgive sins? That's blasphemy. And he says, well, which is harder to do, to forgive his sins or to say, get up and walk? In the name of Jesus, I say, or, I, I, rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. And he showed his authority and his power, and that's happening because people are coming to Jesus. But in this case, Jesus seeks somebody out. He saw Matthew. He saw Matthew. And I want you to know this morning, Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you. And I can imagine because of Matthew's place, his position, his profession, that he likely never expected or thought he was worthy of Jesus seeing him. There's a scene in one of these movies that tries to depict this story. And in this scene, they bring together the leper and they show Jesus touching the leper and Matthew seeing it and beginning to cry, seeing the love of God. Maybe in that moment, maybe just hearing that, he goes, well, this is the man who touched a leper. I wonder if he would give me some attention. I wonder if he would even pay notice to me. Jesus saw Matthew. And I want to talk about this encountering mercy because for him, and and consider Matthew's the author of this very book we're reading. The first book in the Bible, in the New Testament, the most Jewish of all the Gospels was written by a tax collector. Do you take moments and think about these things? Is how profound this is that who Jesus chooses? You know that sometimes they say about somebody, you can know somebody, something about somebody by who they hang out with. And usually that's because they're like them, but Jesus is so otherly, Right? He chooses to hang out with them because of what he can bring them and where he can take them. He says, follow me. So encountering mercy this morning is encountering the person of Jesus. And I, I, just, I just, from my heart, I feel this. You know, I was, as we were backpacking, um, you know, we have two kids with you. You're very distracted because you're trying to, it was cold and we were right by a lake. And so Sam, Pastor Sam and I spent most of our time trying to uh, tell the boys not to go in the water <laughs> and trying to help them understand this concept of hypothermia. And they're just like, oh, the water's there. I just want to swim. And I'm like, it's freezing. <laughs> Don't do that. They get distracted and they get, and I, I, here's a moment where I'm distracted. I don't know where that was going, but they were, we were spending most of the time trying to keep them out of the water. And, um, with that, you know, you you're, you're they, fortunately they stayed dry the whole time. So we were just praising God for that. But the scary moment in this trip, and I'll share it. Have you shared this with your wife yet or is this going to be a surprise? Okay. We weren't sure we'd get to go again after this, but. We had told the boys, we said, run, 
You know, you could hang out and you could venture and you can explore around the lake because it was a small enough lake that they could hear our voice. And so we'd yell out, Elam and Gabriel, are you there? Yeah, we're over here, God. You know, so we could hear them. And so Matt, Sam and I are like, hey, we have a moment, you know, and so we're just having some talk, you know, fellowshipping and just talking, sharing the Lord with each other. And um, we're like, we haven't heard from these guys in a while. It's been a while. And I, so we yell out, Elam and Gabe. And it, where we were, there's this echo, Gabe, Gabe, you just, no response. And we looked at each other and go, that's a problem. We have a situation here. And so we went searching for our sons, uh, very nervous about that. And they had taken a trail and gone left where they should have gone right. And it turns out they were on the Pacific Crest Trail going in the direction of Canada. We didn't know that. We just knew they weren't hearing us and responding, and I'm running as fast as I can up this trail, screaming at the top of my lungs until finally I hear Elam, yeah. I just, that was a scary moment. Uh, there, there was a moment where I'm like, Father, I need you now. They have, no, they have no food. They have no water. They have no walkie-talkies, and they have no idea how to function in the wilderness. Scary. Lost. And when I found them, um, I was upset. And, and they're, they're just looking at me like this. I'm sorry. We're sorry. And I had to take a moment and just go, talk about mercy. Oh, wait. They're scared now, too, because they see that I was scared. <laughs> and I just had to say, I'm upset, but it's because I was nervous. I was, I was scared, and I love you guys. So I just saw, you know, mercy had to cover this thing. But when you've lost something dear, right? Um, it was an experience. So with that, going back to Matthew, he's encountering mercy in the person of Jesus. And I, I'm sure... There were thoughts of why would he pay attention to me? Look going on, uh, look at uh, Matthew 10, 2 through 3. And, and I, I ask you this morning, think about the moment you encountered Jesus in his mercy. Jesus in his grace and his love for you. How transformative it was. I remember coming in here, and I've told this story a thousand times, but I realize you know what, I need to keep telling this story because it's a reminder of how great God's mercy is. Yes. The moment I came in here and Jesus literally encountered me, I wasn't looking for him. I was just here by obligation to my sweet mother. But Jesus encountered me in a powerful way and revealed his love and his mercy to me. And I found it amazing. He wasn't there telling me what was all wrong with my life. He was there telling me, this is my love for you. This is my love for you. And so I found this astounding. When you look at Matthew, the author of this passage, the author of this book, and, you know, this same, this same story is in, in Luke and Mark, they refer to Matthew as Levi. But in this story, 
He says, it's him. Clearly, it's, it's me. Um, but then when Matthew is sharing about the 12 disciples, he goes through all the names here. First was Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip, and Bartholomew. You notice we're just going through names, Thomas. And then he says, and Matthew, the tax collector. You see that? And Matthew, the tax collector. He doesn't refer to any of the others by their dubious previous professions. Come on. But Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. In writing of himself, he mentions his past, never forgetting where he came from, never forgetting the moment Jesus encountered him. I love that. And you know, we see people in my work, when they send an email, they have this thing called the auto signature. I'm sure you've seen it. And if you see the auto signatures of people, it's like a list of all their credentials. Yeah. Project management professional. BA, this, this, MBA. All these different credentials are, and it's like so long. Some of these are so long. I'm like, wow, you just extended that email. Can you imagine Matthew's email? The tax collector saved. The tax collector saved. Or, you know, when you open a book of an author and and, and, and in the front of that flap, there's this about the author. And it's about everything great they've done. Come on. All their credentials, masters of this. And he's done 20 years all over the world. And I know why they do this. It's not a knock on that. But Matthew, the tax collector. That's how I refer to myself. Reminded of where Jesus met me. Where Jesus took me. And how he's transformed my life. Come on. Encountering mercy. Look at Paul describing himself in 1 Timothy 1.15. says, this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to what? Save sinners. And how does he refer to himself? Of whom I am chief. Chief of sinners. This is Paul speaking. One of the things I love about when, pa- when our brother Pastor John speaks, you will not, he will not go through a single message without reminding you that he was a hopeless alcoholic. He never forgets the mercy of God and where God met him. The grace of God to transform his life. You see the testimony of what Jesus has done in your life. And when you encounter his mercy is something to offer this world. Nobody can take that from you. They can argue points, this and that. But this is my experience with the person of Jesus. You can't take this from me. If I were to follow Matthew's lead here, it would be Jonathan, the rebellious, partying, prodigal, pastor's kid. Come on. That would be my auto-signature. If you see that show up on a church email, don't be surprised. You know, I'm often leery of telling people I'm a pastor. It's not because I love pastoring. I love it. Um, but it's just that people's behavior changes. Yeah, right. yeah. Oh, pastor. Oh. Come on. Some of you guilty in here. <laughs> pastor. I mean, then we got lead pastors and like, oh, oh, lead pastor. No, that's, that's a function. You guys all have different functions. Come on. We have gifts. We have callings. We're not better because we're pastors. 
We're human beings living in the mercy and grace of God, and we honor everyone. In the church, we have a culture of honor for everyone because they are made in the image of God, a unique expression of his image and his giftings and callings. So, yes, I appreciate the honorable way, but that should be everybody. And be real. You don't have to be different because I'm pastor. I've seen some things. I've been through some things. I've done some things. Come on. The mercy of God. Everything that you see good in my life is because of the mercy of God. I'm not deserving the blessings that he has bestowed on my life. I am reminded daily of that. Are you? Number two is following mercy. You know this? He immediately responds. Matthew immediately responds to seeing Jesus as he saw him. And look at that passage. It just says, man called and he, and he said to him, follow me. Do you know what did not happen in between there? He didn't talk to him about his lifestyle, his profession, and all that was wrong. He just said, follow me. Do you ever wonder how that could happen? Do you ever wonder that just those two words could cause a man to leave his profession and everything he knows and get up and, and completely follow Jesus? What is it? about this man that's so attractive, the grace and mercy of God that's so attractive that it would cause me to make a change just in response to him seeing me because Matthew saw him too. He says, I see mercy. Everyone around me looks at me differently. They look at me with eyes of despised, rejected, cursed, the Pharisees believed that a tax collector could not participate in religious services. You couldn't even take money from a tax collector. That was a curse. And it was put upon his family too. So everyone in that Jewish society looked at him differently. Jesus, there was a different look in his eyes, those eyes of burning fire of love and mercy that changes and transforms our life. Hmm. Follow me. There's something so attractive about the person of Jesus that it would cause you to radically make a decision like that. And so I wonder, this is always the biggest challenge as a minister of the gospel, as a representative, as an ambassador of the kingdom of God. Are you with me? Is to represent this beautiful person of Jesus in such a way as he's intended. I can't. It takes a personal revelation for each and every one of us. Of who Jesus is. I cannot do it justice, but by his spirit, he comes and he opens the eyes of your heart and he reveals the person of Jesus and you are transformed in a moment. So attractive that I'll leave everything to follow this man, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Messiah. Goes on. To say in, in verse 10, then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in his house, in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why is your teacher eating with the tax collectors and sinners? Why? You know, after he's 
following Jesus. He's encountered mercy, and now he's following this person of mercy. He immediately brings all his friends along. Come on. A whole new movement opens up to the tax collector community. Ministry doors swing wide open because Jesus has encountered, Matthew has encountered Jesus and has changed his life. And he goes, hey, you need to, he, he doesn't hate you like everybody else does. He doesn't despise you like everybody else does. He sees something different. He sees beyond the label and, the, and, the, and the, everything the world's kind of put upon us. He sees something different. You need to meet this man. Come on. How many know when you first got saved and Jesus changed your life, you were just like, hey, you got to meet him. He'll change your life. I hope we don't lose that fervor and that, that excitement and that zeal. You have to meet this man. And so he brings along and he has a, he has a meal and a party at his house, if you will. And yeah, I've, I, I, this is the other thought I had as I was just meditating on this passage. And I said, have you ever wondered why these sinners were so comfortable being around Jesus, even though he was, by his nature, so utterly, utterly different than them? What was it? You know, because Jesus, they, they consider him the friend, he's called the friend of sinners, but they didn't mean he was friendly with sin. Are you with me? He didn't wink at sin. He didn't blink at sin. Do you know the difference? He said, ah, it's all right. I got you covered. Nope. He didn't do one of these either. Because we do this when your kids do something crazy. And you're like, Whoa. that blink. The shock blink. And you know, when we act like that, when we respond like that, when my, my kids want to come and tell me and be honest about something, and I respond in that way, guess what? They don't want to do that again. They don't want to do that again. They want to know that even though I really messed up, even though, Dad, I went up that trail I shouldn't have, I didn't follow your instructions, and I put myself in a dangerous place, are you still going to love me? Are you still going to love me? Because they want a safe place. And church, that's what we need to be, our church culture, a safe place. We're not going to agree with your sin, but we're going to love you just the same. We're not here to judge you. Come on. We're here to love you. You see, he could be around sinners without being like sinners. He could go into their world and not compromise who he was or his message. You see, sometimes in the church, we can become so afraid of being contaminated. Thank God Jesus wasn't worried about that, and he came. That he could be, he could leave his throne, a place of holiness, and he could come, not compromise who he was, yet come and be around people failures and rejects the outcasts of society those who were hated the least the last the lost he could come be between them he could come and be with them and they could feel safe and i thought about why is that because they felt loved and not judged 
Because they felt loved and not judged, their hearts could open to him. Are you with me, church? See, John 3.17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. In John chapter 12, verse 47, he says, If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Are you seeing the mission here? And you're like, of course, pastor, we shouldn't judge. Oh, but if I'm being honest this morning, can we just, we, we make some judgments. We make some judgments. And the biggest, you see, there is, a huge chasm between the doors of this church and that outside world. And I'm saying on the other side, for people who look outside the church, and many times their biggest criticism is what? Christians are judgmental. And you go, well, that's not true. But we should take a moment and really ask ourselves, is it true? I had to ask myself this as I was meditating on this passage. You know, here's some things I realized I do. I make judgments on people for their decisions in life. I make judgments on friends or family for their differing political views. No one ever done this? Okay, it's just me. All right. I make judgments on people for their different social class, appearances, education levels. Are you with me? From the movies they watch, the music they listen to, how they dress. Should I go on and on? We size up people. And we look at them and go, this is wrong and this is right in your life and I'm going to show you what's right. And you know what that does? You're not safe. Because if I share something with you, you're not going to just love me. You're just going to tell me what's wrong. And then they get this impression because Christians, oh, we do this. Come on. We love our opinions. Are you still with me? I love you. We love our opinions. And we're so infatuated with our own opinions. Come on. That we put them up on social media. That's how it is. Just saying. This ain't right, that's right, this, you, come on, we've all done it. You see, I was doing this, and I had a teachable moment when a mentor and friend who loves me too much to not speak truth and love to me comes to me. Chris Ludwig, we're at our house, and he goes, I've been meaning to talk to you about your social media. I'm like, okay. This is not going to go well. And he said, uh, he just asked, you know, Chris is not a man of many words, but they're weighty words. And he says, what do you want to be known for? You see, the Christian community, we can spend a lot of time telling the world what we're against. But what about what we're for? The mercy and love of God. And it just struck my heart. Because what if there's... All these non-Christians that see your feed 
and your strong political views and whatever it may be are about this thing in society that needs to change and all these things, right? They might have been inclined to private message you and say, hey, I need your prayer for something, but then they go, you know what, I can't do that. I see he's not safe. I see he's not safe. I can't do that. And it struck my heart. Saying, I I am making judgments that affect how people want, that keep people away from me. You see, you can live an insulated life as a Christian where you're just surrounded with an echo chamber of people who think like you, who, who talk like you, who walk like you. And yes, we need Christian fellowship. This church has it in the name. We want Christian fellowship. It strengthens us. It empowers us. And we are, we are changed and we grow in fellowship. Right? But if our life is so insulated that we're never, ever touching, we're never going outside to the places where the Matthews are. Come on. There's some people out there that are hungry or they're saying, I just, I feel so condemned, right? You know, the Bible says their hearts are already condemning them. What they need is a hope and mercy. As we were backpacking, I had remembered the last time I went with some fellows from church and I didn't have the right, um, I didn't have the right pad. And so I froze. And I said, I don't want to do that again. So I got an insulated pad this time. And I still was cold, but it wasn't as cold. (laughs) So we can live an insulated life the same way. We want to be comfortable. Come on. And not contaminated. That's what the Pharisees were saying. Why is your teacher doing this? You see, when they said teacher, a teacher was a, a rabbi, a living example. It wasn't just what he taught, but how he, everything he did was an example for everyone watching, his disciples. So he said, and you notice the Pharisees are so cowardly. They don't go to Jesus. Why are you doing this? They go to the disciples. And you know, it's just that re- religious accusatory spirit that comes to you and says, why is Jesus? Why do you need to do that? Why is it like that? That voice of accusation, of condemnation, of, 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 of self-righteousness that comes. They didn't go to Jesus. They went to the disciples. Cowards. Why is your teacher doing this? And I think about why did they have their prejudice? Why did they judge? Where did their judgments come from? From the oral tradition, the Bible says, or, or it says, you know, from history. They learned from oral traditions. And Jesus says that your traditions have nullified the word of God. You don't even know what it means anymore because you believe your traditions over the word of God. And you've misinterpreted it. You've missed what I've tried to show you through my word. And that's why you can't recognize me as your Messiah. He's hanging out with sinners. He's hanging out with tax collectors. What kind of teacher is this? And then they called him in a different part of Scripture. He says, I, you guys have called me a friend of sinners, a glutton, and a wine-bibber, and all this. That wasn't true. What they were trying to say was he wasn't just a friend of sinners, but he was a friend of sin, so you don't want to follow him. No, but he could be with them, but not be like them. 
He could be in the world, but not of the world. Are you with me? Not lose himself, but keep himself and go into their world and show them mercy and grace and love. So the third thing this morning, and I'm almost closed, sharing mercy. Sharing mercy. But when Verse 12 says, but when Jesus heard this, he said, it's not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous but sinners. Ooh, there's so much here. I just want to say this. The church is a hospital. We welcome sick souls, don't we? We welcome sick souls. We welcome those who are hurting, those who are wounded, those who need hope, those who know they're sick. I don't like going to the doctor. Am I the only one? So when it comes that time, I look for every excuse not to do this, especially as I'm entering the late 40s. I don't know what that visit will entail. And so we act well, don't we, husbands and gentlemen? I'm good. I'm good. I don't need to go. We play well. We postpone going. But see, that's the way we can be in our Christian walk where we think it's all good. Walk up to somebody, how you doing? I'm I'm good. But things aren't good. I'm good, but things aren't good. I'm actually sick. I'm dealing with this thing in my life. And that's when that acknowledgement comes. Then the physician, the great physician, can come in and heal and make whole. Amen? There is no worldly vaccine to protect you from the effects of sin. But there's only a cure, and it's the blood of Jesus. It's his mercy. Come on. Jesus desires compassion, not sacrifice. And he's quoting here in Hosea, the prophet in Hosea 6, and it's 6, and it says, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than what? Burnt offerings. So the tradition was when a rabbi spoke half of the verse, the, the, it was an implication of the rest of it. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And so that Pharisee, being a student, would have known, oh, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. His audience thought they knew all the answers. But this was a stinging rebuke from the teacher of mercy. Go and learn, because you haven't gotten it yet. You're missing what I'm trying to show you. In Matthew 20, 20, 23, 23, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have, look at this, and have neglected what? The weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. They've gotten hung up in the little things and missed the big thing. And we can do that. We can get hung up in the small details and miss God's heart in things. His justice, his mercy, and his faithfulness. And so I know we look and we rebuke the Pharisees, but if we'll be honest, we've all had to deal with a little pharisaical in us. We've all had our moments of, of painted sepulchers full of dead men's bones. 
where we've put forth a facade of this and this and we look good and we pray right and we do all these things right, but inside there's deadness, there's, there's hurting, there's pain. I got this picture the other day when we were watching the Olympics and there was this Russian Olympian and maybe you saw it, it was in the gymnastics and three months before the Olympics he had torn his Achilles, ruptured it. And the announcers were saying he's, he did not get a go from his doctor, but he's going. And he's doing a floor routine. And if you've seen these guys do a floor routine, they're bouncing seven feet in the air and they're doing these crazy things and so much pressure and pounding on their feet. And man, Val, you've been through it. The rupture, that ain't, that's no joke. It hurts, and it takes a long time to heal. And if you're not ready, you don't do these things. And so they were just marveling at this guy was performing in this condition. And then they slowed it down into slow motion. And as they did, you could see him favoring one foot when he landed, but still performing, still performing, still performing in pain. How many Christians are still trying to perform and not deal with the pain? The pain. Just getting through, I gotta, I, I, I gotta do this thing and God's like, I wanna heal you. My mercy, my grace, my faithfulness, will you receive it? So he says, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He restates his mission. See, the righteous were those who thought they had it together. They didn't need him. That's what he's saying. Not truly righteous, but they thought themselves righteous. They thought they were okay. The indifference is the problem. To think you're okay. When inside there's this thing that God's trying to touch and heal and Maybe correct in a loving, fatherly way. Come on. He says in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's his mission. Let it be ours. Let it be ours. Can I have the worship team come this morning? Let's... let's Stand to our feet as we close. And I believe he's also showing us something pretty amazing here too in saying this, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice. It's not saying that sacrifice wasn't necessary. It's not saying that sacrifice wasn't necessary because truly it was. It was Jesus giving his life, a sacrifice for us. Hebrews says the sacrifice once and for all for sin. But what it was is all your works and the good stuff you do can't cover your sin. You need mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. You need mercy. See, mercy is to not get what you deserve. 
And I'm reminded this morning of what I deserved. Death. And until you come to that place which says my life, my sin, my, my rebellion, my resistance to God was worthy of death. All sin leads to death. The wages of sin is death. But, here's the but, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. If you come to that point where I'm sick with sin and I need a physician, if you come to that point saying I truly am not right, I need a Savior. That's the point where He encounters you. That's the point of transformation and change in your life. I don't know where you're at this morning. Just know that God wants to meet with you. The person of Jesus is here. Reveal himself to us in a special way this morning. Are you willing to follow him? Or maybe you're like Matthew, you say, I don't. Does he even see me? I mean, here I am. I'm just a terrible person. I'm a wreck. He sees you. And he sees beyond all that, and he sees what he, he can be in your life. Amen? That he can transform. He can see beyond the sin, the mistakes, the failures, the labels, whatever people have put on you. And he says, sees a hope and a calling and a destiny. He sees somebody uniquely made in the image of God, an image bearer, deeply loved by God. That's what he sees. May you see him for who he is. Us preachers don't always represent him well, but he represents himself very well. He comes and he makes himself known to us, and I know he'll do that for you this morning if you need him too. So I just ask if you need prayer of any sort, if you need to respond to this message today, don't waste, don't miss the moment. There is a power in response because the Bible says that whatever we commit to him, he's able to keep. Whatever we commit to him, he's able to keep. But I, that means I have to commit it to him. That means there's an action, a response on my part. So if that's you this morning, you need a response. There's just God's touching your heart. The Lord's moving upon your heart. Just come forward and we want to pray with you and agree with you. We love you deeply and the Lord loves you deeply. Amen.